Well, the competition is already underway at the Winter Olympics in Beijing, including in mixed doubles curling and ice hockey. The Canadian women are taking on Switzerland as we speak. But what about the atmosphere? I guess that's what a lot of a lot of us have been wondering about uh, recently dealing with COVID, obviously, for those who may remember all those images of celebration for the 2008 Summer Games. How do these ones compare with no fans from outside the country? Beijing can be pretty frigid in the winter. With some answers, I'm joined by Mark Dreyer from Beijing. Uh, he's with ChinaSportsInsider.com and the author of a new book called Sporting Superpower that I highly recommend, a look at how China has changed from one Olympics to the next. Mark, welcome. Uh, great to be back. Thanks, Ben. You're welcome. Um, the cauldron isn't yet lit. Events are already underway, and I hear China's doing well at curling. So the games begin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, off to, <laughs> uh, off to a perfect start. Um, as soon as I get um, get off with you, I'll, uh, I'll tune in to see how the, the Chinese women ice hockey. Thanks for, for that reminder. I'd uh, forgotten yeah. <laughs> to fire that one up. But uh, yeah, the, it's going to have some interesting matchups, both on the men's and the women's side, actually. Uh, the men, of course, as, as uh, listeners probably know, will be playing. Uh, will be playing uh, Canada and the US, but uh, NHL players won't be there, so the, the games will be a little bit more competitive than they could have been otherwise. I, I know you've answered this question a thousand times already, but now that the games are here, um, and we all think back to two thousand and eight, what is? The, I know it's the middle of winter in Beijing, but what is the mood like, and how festive and Olympic does it feel? Really, it, it's a kind of a nuanced question. I'll try to give a summary. So first of all, this week is holiday week. It's the Chinese New Year right. week. And right. so people are off and people are out and they're, they're kind of celebrating with their family, but they're, they're focused on, you know, family time. They're not necessarily focused on the Olympics. Uh, in terms of, you know, comparison to 2008, of course, there are no foreign spectators at all. There are very few foreigners still left in, in Beijing <laughs> these days anyway. Yeah. Um, and so it doesn't feel like an international sporting event, you know, with people dressed up in, their, you know, like like you have at World Cups with the fans from all over the, the, the world uh, dressed up in their nation's colors. So you don't have any of that. Um, throw in things like, you know, it's winter, so it's colder outside and the winter games are smaller than the summer games anyway. It's not the first time that, that China has held the game, so you don't have that novelty factor. And then, of course, COVID, uh, where people are, you know, a little bit worried about, going out and, and 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 mixing with other people so all of those things kind of it basically dampen what, what could have been a, more of a festive atmosphere that's not to say it's it's you know it's it's all dark and gloomy i think when the opening ceremony uh you know gets going uh, tv sets across the nation will be tuned in from you know 8 p.m our time tomorrow evening here on friday you know i think that will that will sort of flick a switch to a certain extent uh but so far you know, I've, I've had people come to me, it's like, wow, I barely even know the Olympics are on. Um, obviously, I've been following it closely in the build-up, um, but but not everyone has, I think that's fair to say. Uh, Beijing is massive, of course, so there's often things going on you wouldn't know what was going on in another part of town, but but I, I hear what you're saying for sure. Uh, there was so much talk going into this about how the zero COVID policy would work. We've seen a lot of, I guess, athletes and officials testing positive. How is that working so far? How is the whole COVID protection plan working so far for the Olympics? I think you have to say from a Chinese perspective, it's been successful. Um, there have been a bunch of cases, as, as you mentioned, um, you know, the, I think it's the last I heard it was something like, uh, you know, 60 or 70 uh, athletes and team officials. They haven't actually broken it down. So unless an athlete, um, uh, him or herself, declares that they have tested positive, we don't actually know. And it could just be a team official or a coach or, or whatever. So we don't have specifics. And of course, as soon as you get 
these uh, the two negative tests, um, then then you're allowed back into into the the competition zone. Um, the reason I say it's successful despite that number is that China knows that they can't stop people testing positive on arrival. But with very few exceptions, they've been catching everyone at the airport. Um, and then there've been a, a smaller number sort of inside. But it doesn't feel at all like COVID is is out in the bubble and, and people are sort of infecting each other inside, which is kind of like the big worry. And I think realistically, as long as they can make sure that that doesn't happen and they kind of screen people uh, coming in, um, then I would say is a, is a success. Hopefully, of course, it doesn't affect too many athletes. Um, we've seen some who are unable to get on the plane, even to, to board, to, to, to come to China in the first place. We haven't had too many, you know, massively high profile, you know, medal favorites uh, testing out at the moment. Um, but, you know, that obviously is a worst case scenario. But uh, hopefully of the, you know, 3000 athletes or so that we have, the vast majority will be able to, to compete. We just have about another minute before the break, and I'll come back after the break to ask you this again. But the loop, though, that whole system they had in place to bring all these athletes in and then isolate them, that seems to be working as far as we can tell from the from the, from far away. Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, <laughs> there's no flexibility whatsoever. It's watertight. I'll give you an example. Um, I've heard people uh, say, well, you know, I'm trying to get to a place which is a five minute walk away. They don't let you walk. You have to take a bus. You have to take the loop transport. So that means sometimes, you know, waiting out in the cold for 20, 25 minutes and then a 30 minute bus ride uh, because they got to go all around the houses to, to get to where they're going and drop <laughs> off uh, other people on the way. So uh, some frustrations, of course, but, uh, you know, safety first is, is very much the message here. Uh, and that's what they're sticking to. We're getting an update from Beijing on the upcoming Olympic Games. The cauldron lights uh, soon. A little more than 24 hours. Mark Dreyer of ChinaSportsInsider.com, an author of Sporting Superpowers with us now. I guess one of the big stories that we'll all be watching and we're going to hear a lot about if we watch any of the coverage is the story of Eileen Gu, an American-born freestyle skier who has switched sides to represent China. What's all the controversy about, Mark? Well, uh, it's the switching sides. I mean, quite, quite simply, you know, she was born and raised in San Francisco. And then three years ago, uh, she decided that she was going to represent um, the, the the land of her, her mother's birth, which, uh, which is China. Uh, she's grew up, you know, uh, she, she's, she's uh, bilingual. She's bicultural. Uh, she's, she's very comfortable in, in, in both countries. Uh, but she's fantastically talented. She may very well get three gold medals in freestyle skiing. So she is basically going to be the face of these games from a Chinese perspective. And of course, given the conversation, um, you know, geopolitically with the US and China, that just takes it to an app, you know, stratospheric new level. Um, there's a bunch of other uh, people, you know, I'm just watching the hockey uh, uh, um, as as you, you referenced earlier. And there's a there's a bunch of Canadians and in fact, some Americans on the Chinese women's team and also on the men's team as well. Um, but they just haven't captured the imagination in the same way because they don't, you know, they don't have the profile of Eileen Goop. Number one, she's fantastically talented. She's going to win um, uh, medals, but potentially gold and potentially uh, multiple ones. And then she's also got a huge number of endorsements. There was a report in Chinese media um, just last week saying that, that she makes 35 million US dollars per year uh, from her 20 plus endorsement deals, most of them, um, you know, uh, in fact, both global and, and, uh, and Chinese brands. I gather she made that switch when she was 15 though, still, still in high school when she decided she was going to compete for China. Yeah. I mean, that sounds young and it is young. Um, 
but she's she's obviously incredibly smart. She's going to Stanford in the uh, in the fall. I I think that it was a more considered uh, decision, uh, perhaps you know made I'm sure with with her family's uh, support and and so on. So it's hard to kind of judge externally. Well, she didn't know what she was doing. Uh, of course, three years ago, none of us knew what the conversation was going to be around China that it is today, and particularly with the U.S. and China, that has ramped up um, several degrees. Uh, as it has with other countries as well. So so that's kind of, uh, I would say, unfortunate for her. I'm, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, with that benefit of hindsight, would she have done the same thing again? Um, from an athlete's perspective, she's still very good friends with the with the members of the, the U.S. ski team uh, that, that she was previously teammates with. Um, so those people don't have a problem with it. It's it's just uh, <laughs> it's just kind of people on the outside looking in. A lot of people judging, saying it's all about the money. A lot of people sort of, you know, uh, criticizing her for for betraying the U.S. But, you know, frankly, she's American and she's Chinese. She can only compete for one nation. Um, but, yes, uh, it's it's definitely a, a big point of interest for, for a lot of people. And, and there's some uncertainty around exactly what her citizenship is. She hasn't really spoken about it. A lot of questions have been asked. So I think she is going to be facing some some uncomfortable questions at some of the press conferences uh, over the coming days. And you were on the Today Show talking about this, I understand, Mark. That's how interested yes. people are about Eileen Goo. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I'm actually, <laughs> actually calling me up again <laughs> later today. So, uh, ah. yeah, I mean, this is, um, this is uh, it, it's a big topic. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely, you know, she uh, she ticks every box. You know, she's young, she's yeah. talented, she she's, fan, you know, like she's a fashion model. Um, she's US and, and Chinese, you know. So for these games, yeah. with the biggest broadcaster of the games, NBC, uh, with the games in China. I mean, it, you couldn't have a better story. Um, it, it, it combines politics, business, and sports. You know, and and to be honest, that's 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 sort of emblematic of of what I tried to write about in my book. You know, the fact that right. here in China, particularly, you can't separate those three things: politics, business, and sports. You really can't more than any other country, I'd say. Um, which is fascinating. There's so much to talk about, uh, but it does make things complicated as well. That was the last question I was going to ask you. I mean, I remember what the what the local press was like, uh, at least the English language press around the Olympics in two thousand and eight. What has been the re what has been the approach of of Chinese state media to to this? Has it been as as the tone any different, considering the geopolitical circumstances are significantly different than they were in two thousand and eight? Well, it's important to remind readers, um, you know, the censorship here is, is pretty full on at all times. And so a lot of the stuff that we read in the West, uh, in the English language, Chinese state media is uh, directed solely at an external audience. Uh, what, what domestically people are consuming is very, very different. So, you know, within China, she's celebrated as, as a, a potential Chinese star and, and, and one of faces of these games, if not the face of the games. Um, you know, her, her face is, is kind of on billboards. You'd remember uh, Liu Shang, the hurdler, who was kind of plastered mm -hmm. all over town uh, in 2008. Well, it's Eileen Gu this time around. So um, it's very much, um, you know, she's a big star. She's she's our she's our athlete. Uh, you know, the more extreme uh, medias are probably sort of celebrating it as a as a geopolitical gift. The fact that she switched, you know, from all the countries, she switched from the U.S. Uh, to to China. Uh, but externally, it, it's sort of a different message, and they're trying to counter the narrative. But that conversation doesn't really seep into Chinese um, domestic media at all. Yeah, I guess. I guess overall, the media. How are they treating the games in general? Is it, is it with with a lot of uh, with a lot of nationalism and, and sort of reflection of what we might expect in the geopolitical circumstances, or is it fairly toned down and fairly sports oriented? 
it's a bit of both um you know i i tend to watch the um uh, the sports channels more than the news channels so perhaps perhaps it, it, it's it's more of a kind of a pure sporting thing i'm very interested to see what happens at the opening ceremony i'm i'm hearing a few things uh that might be of of interest along this i i i don't want to say anything just because we don't know if they're going to happen yet but um you know watch out for the uh what i will say is watch out for kind of the the torch relay and and who's who's uh you know selected to 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 carry the torch in the, in the final stages we don't know yet we don't have um you know there's just speculation swirling at the moment but i think there could be some sig- uh, sig- some significance there as well and you know everything with with this particularly an opening ceremony everything is going to be very carefully calculated and planned uh, no coincidences they like to say in china um i don't believe that uh the, the, you know all the time but i think for something as meticulous as the planning for an opening ceremony, uh, I think it's uh, a fair assessment. Mark Dreyer of China Sports, ChinaSportsInsider.com and author of Sporting Superpower. Thanks so much for your update from Beijing. As always, appreciate it. My pleasure, Ben.